All right, thank you for listening to this podcast. This episode of Literally is sponsored by Lexicon and Line. Case, tell us a little something about Lexicon and Line. Uh, Lexicon and Line does three things. They they are communications consultants. They teach professional business writing and speaking courses, and they are research and data evaluation experts. And you can find everything about Lexicon Online at lexicononline.com. Please give them a visit. And thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast, Lexicon and Line. This is Case Johnson. This is Literally Podcast. Today we're broadcasting from the Monarch in Ogden, Utah. Today our author is Nita Sweeney. Uh, She's the author of Depression Hates a Moving Target, How Running with My Dog Brought Me Back from the Brink. So this is a a memoir about how um, Nita, when she was 49, I believe, uh, began running with her dog and uh, is now a 30-time marathoner, uh, or is it four now? Three. Three-time marathoner. Three uh, right. And it's a, it's a really nice book that delves into not only um, how running can help with depression, but it also looks at uh, how, how running helps people physically um, and the meld of those together um, as well as within a creative life. Um, so right now, uh, Nita's going to read from the book, and then we'll start chatting. Well, first, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And this is from chapter one, Off the Sofa and Into the Ravine. Five months before my 49th birthday, I slouched on the sofa in my pajamas, squinting at my laptop screen. A high school friend's social media post read, call me crazy, but this running is getting to be fun. I remembered Kim riding horses in high school, but neither of us had been athletes then, and we certainly weren't now. I read on. She had begun an interval training plan to run three times a week. The website suggested alternating 60 seconds of jogging with 90 seconds of walking for a total of 20 minutes. 60 seconds sounded almost doable, but depression clung to me like a shroud. It was noon on a weekday. As usual, I'd just gotten up and hadn't showered in days. The simple act of walking Morgan, our yellow Labrador, around the block often proved too difficult. A few minutes into browsing Kim's interval running schedule, an extra long burst of hiccups reduced me to sobs. I cried until they passed, closed the laptop, and went back to bed. But her running posts nestled like seeds in the back of my consciousness. Later that week, Kim posted, week one, finished. Infected by her glee, I remembered the pleasure I'd had when I'd run short distances decades before. The seed sprouted. Around the same time, Fiona, a writer friend from London, also took up running. She loved buying trainers, what we call sneakers. Her emails reminded me of my first trip to a running store decades earlier when I'd scoffed at the price tags to hide being intimidated by the options. Fiona also talked about how running felt and the glow after. She's younger than me, but she's not a youngster. That seed grew. Shortly before I saw Kim's post, I'd begun to have a recurring dream. My body gently rocked as I floated down the road through Griggs Reservoir, a wooded park along the Scioto River near our central Ohio home. My arms, bent at the elbows, swung by my sides. A breeze grazed my face. It felt like flying. The rhythm lulled me back to sleep when I woke from nightmares. There was no anxiety, 
I wasn't breathing heavily, relaxed and happy. I was just moving through the bright green world. I was dreaming of running. One March weekday, inspired by the daffodils bursting through the soil of the winter flower beds, I returned to the website. This might kill you, came the familiar voice in my head. But I recalled Kim and Fiona's smiles. 60 seconds of jogging hadn't killed them. A wise part of my mind thought exercise might energize me, while a deep animal instinct tried to protect me by scoffing, you are old and fat, people will make fun of you, and you will die of heart failure. Most people have these competing voices, mine are just louder. Drawing strength from the flying and floating sensations of my dreams, I wrestled tube socks over my flabby calves, sweatpants across across my wide hips, a long sleeve t-shirt and hoodie over my thick belly, and a pair of trail shoes, the closest thing to runny shoes I owned onto my swollen feet. Ed, my husband, was at work, so he didn't see my unwieldy outfit. Morgan circled and nearly knocked me down when I opened the closet where we kept his leash. I would need his support. I picked up a digital kitchen timer and went outside. Most of the residents of our maple and sycamore-filled residential neighborhood were at school or work. Even if they were home, they probably weren't looking out the windows of their 1950s ranch houses. Still, I imagined the neighbors not only watching, but laughing if they saw me try to run. I steered the dog toward Donna Ravine, a secluded street down a hill along a creek where the houses sit far back on wooded lots. Once I felt safely hidden, I set the timer for 60 seconds and bounced tentatively in my trail shoes. The small white timer in my sweaty hand was a welcome friend. It had carried me through years of mindfulness meditation periods and decades of 10 minute writing practices I'd learned from author Natalie Goldberg. Perhaps it would serve me well again. Morgan sniffed, peed on the newly sprouted leaves of a shrub then stared into the distance. This is gonna hurt, I told him. My mind had replaced the floating feeling of my dreams with a movie montage. First, a day nearly two decades before when I pushed myself around an indoor track, gasping dusty air. Then another day when bone tired from long hours practicing law, I'd cut a run short because I couldn't make it up one more hill. And finally, one day, my mind decided I was through. The dog stared up at me. He had no fear. What do you think, Pink, I asked, referring to the pink tinge of his almost brown nose. He cocked his head and perked his copper-colored ears. I hit the timer button and began to jog. All right, this is Case Johnson. This is the Literally Podcast. We just heard from Nita Sweeney reading from her book, Depression Hates a Moving Target, How Running With My Dog Brought Me Back From the Brink. Um, Nita just ran, uh, read the first chapter of, from the first chapter of her book, the first uh, few paragraphs, looking at how or when that first decision happened to get up off the couch and start running at age 49 and chronicle and she chronicles how she's made these leaps before in the past um, with running. And at those those many times before, there was a start, but then there was a stop. Um, within this book, we see that uh, that Nita continues on, and um, I want everybody to purchase the book so they they can see how that continuation happens. Uh, but for Nita, the, my first question is, um, what was the hardest part about writing this book? Because I know as a memoirist that 
what people read with a book um they basically they, they they judge you based on what's on the page i mean that's the person you are is stuck in those pages from the first to the last um to you to you what was the hardest part about writing this memoir do you think well the book that i just read from is 78,000 words mm -hmm. and the first draft was 197,000 words wow. yeah so that's so tough. yeah <laughs> yeah um so and i know i knew it was way too long right but the process i think the most difficult part of any writing process for me is getting enough distance to see what serves the story first off what the story really is mm -hmm. but let me back up a minute I thought I was writing about a middle-aged woman who took up running and how, you know, doesn't running doesn't really discriminate. It goes, I mean, I know 70-year-old women that sure. still run. And Absolutely. Winning their age groups is great just by showing up. Right. Um, and so that's what I thought the, the story was about. I thought it was about that. Mm -hmm. Middle-aged woman takes up running, does well. But what I realized as I was editing and also as I was living it, too, was that the story was really about a woman who was trying to save her life. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of the revision process was cutting out. Yeah, I, the book is really still a lot about running, but cutting out a lot more running. Right. I mean, there were a, there were a lot more training runs. There was a lot more um, sort of geeky running data stuff um mm -hmm. you know splits and <laughs> pace per mile and all that kind of stuff and um and there's plenty of that still in it right um, but i had to beef up the parts where i went deeper and talked about how things felt and what was going on in my mind mm -hmm. because that when i started talking to people about it that's what really interested them sure. was what was happening to me mentally and emotionally mm -hmm. and uh and that had been there but it just it was kind of subdued by so much running so i just kept cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting and then it, I actually got it down to 75,000 words, which is what the publisher first wanted. And then they had me ask, um, add that resource and conclusion. I think it's called conclusion and resource section at the end, mm -hmm. which added about 3,000 words. Um, but uh, I, um, yeah, just finding the story and choosing what serves the story. Right. That's, that is always the most difficult thing for me, no matter what I'm working on. Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, as a running book goes, runners will like this book. I mean, there's a lot about running. There's running when it comes to there's a lot about running when it comes to training. There's a lot about running when it comes to tackling longer distances. There's a lot of very specific details that runners think about every single time they run. This is a running book. I mean, and a lot of uh, books out there, sometimes the running is superficial, but this is a running book. What And it does have what Nita talked about with this hard questions for herself, for yourself, that have to be answered and expanded upon, and so this is a I I think this is a book a good book for run a good book for runners who like to 
read about running as well as anybody else who likes to read about real people, authentic people who are just who are living their lives and running as a part of it as well. So that's just my point of view on it. Um, and so it's, I think it serves both those well. It's really crazy to think it was 197,000 words, though. That, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i a runner. I, I've been running since I was in seventh grade, and I don't know if I could do 197,000 words of running stuff. I mean, that's, that's a, a marathon. That's a marathon of reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Chris, that's, Chris McDougall. Chris yeah. McDougall can pull off 197,000 words of running. Running stuff. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess. That's an yeah. ultra marathon running. <laughs> um, 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 that's really interesting, too, because I teach an advanced writing class, and I, I half the time I'm I'm pointing out what people's real stories are like, well, that's the story you're really telling here. Um, not this one. And, um, it's interesting to hear you say that, especially have with a 200,000 word manuscript. Um, so my next question really kind of looks at, um, this idea of, and you talk about this quite a bit of, uh, is running with, uh, with this group, um, and your initial fears and then what this group did to helped you with your running in the in the long run um do you think that this book would be written without that running group the larger running group i don't know mm -hmm. i'm because i don't think i would have done the longer miles without them mm -hmm. i um i really needed the structure both the structure of a training plan which of course you can get that online you can google sure. marathon training plan and find that but i needed the structure of knowing that this group of people was going to be there every Saturday morning. They were all going to be doing this. There were people there who had done it before. And at some point, once you've done it, you become one of those people and then you start teaching other people. I don't know if you've ever heard that about you, like uh, you watch it, do it, teach it or mm -hmm. something like that. And so that's, I, I think that was really essential. I think the story I guess I guess my I guess my answer really is no because I don't think I would have written the book. Mm -hmm. I cuz I don't think I would have run the actually let me back up. I don't think I would have run the race mm -hmm. without them mm -hmm. because at some point I realized that I could only go so far on my own. And at some point you and I talked earlier before this podcast about the parallels between running and writing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the mistake some people make with writing in general is that they think they have to do it alone, mm -hmm. that they don't get help. And to me, I with the running, I needed help. And so that created the story. Mm -hmm. And I still run with those people. And it, it would come kind of like a fellowship, actually. So, Yeah, I, I completely agree with running groups. Um, th I've lengthened my runs because peer pressure, but it's positive peer pressure in this sense. Um, and, um, I did a marathon in September, which I signed up on the Thursday night beforehand. And I did just because I was, you know, have at a bar having a beer. And somebody said, well, you should do Saturday's run. And I said, well, I don't know how good a shape I am. <laughs> in. And I had been running a lot this summer and I kind of put one and two together. And I said, well, I've been spending a lot of time once a week out there for about three or four hours running. And I think I could do it. And it was a great marathon, but that's them. That's them saying you, you can do it. You know, we know you, we've seen you before. We've seen you do this and this, even if you're discounting yourself, we, we're not going to let you do that because we've seen it in you. Um, and that's what a great group of running friends does for, does for somebody. 
That's exactly it. I, one of my favorite phrases, which is not original, is if you hang around in a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happens with a running group because you start with this group of people and my plan was to run a half marathon. Mm -hmm. I'd done some 5Ks, I'd done some 10Ks. And the other kind of kismet thing that happened was after I learned about this running group, I started learning that people I already knew that I didn't even know ran were in the group. Mm -hmm. That was the crazy thing. It was just like, wait a minute, you train with them too? You don't, who doesn't train with them? So, um, and I, it was just crazy. And so I went to do this half marathon and the people around me, some of them had done half marathons, but a lot of them had done a marathon or several marathons. So I was training for a race in Columbus. They were training for a race long, you know, twice as long in some other state. Mm -hmm. And it changed my whole perspective and idea of what is possible. Right. And that's, I think that's what it did almost more than anything. I mean, yes, we, we ran the miles. Yes, they teach you about nutrition, hydration, shoes, all the gear, you know, the fancy watches. They teach you about all that stuff. But it was that idea of, Oh my gosh, um, there's actually a scene in the book, which is one of my favorites, where I'm sitting at the celebration party for the half marathon. Mm -hmm. I just run my first half marathon, and I'm sitting there, and I notice I'm talking to this woman who I've, I kind of noticed before, and I realized that the color of her medal was different from mine. It was the same race. <laughs> yeah. And I I looked at her, and I, I it just was sort of this awkward, almost foot and mouth moment. And I said, you ran the full, mm -hmm. you know, it was just this, I, because she just was somebody just like me. Mm -hmm. She was the same shape as me. Um, maybe a little younger, but I just hadn't paid attention because I was just training for the half. Meanwhile, she's out there doing twice the miles. And I didn't know that because I was so hyper-focused and it blew my mind. It mm -hmm. just did. And that was probably the first moment when I really thought it wasn't more than just a dream right. because I had the obsession with the 26 points two sticker. Um, I'd seen all these people, but to see somebody who just is so much like me who did that. And that's really how it all started is seeing this post from my high school friend mm -hmm. and thinking she's running at our age. And I had given up running in my late twenties. It yeah. was a young person sport. So yeah. So that, it, but, but I think the mental part for me, has been the most important thing. And now, you know, I've done quite a few races now and uh, everything runs in cycles. Because of book promotion, I've been traveling a lot and I'm actually working on a proposal for another book. And um, I haven't been getting as many miles in in the same intense way as I did, like when I was training for the fulls, especially. But the group is still there. Uh, just just uh, Saturday morning, we met down at Griggs. I mentioned Griggs Reservoir. Mm -hmm. We met down there, and you know, some of them were running different mileages. And I came back from the run, and and I was the last one in, partly because I was doing some hill retreats, hill repeats. But um, they were all they're waiting for me. I thought they had gone to a coffee house, and I turned around this corner, and they're all waiting for me. And they all linked arms and made like a finish line for me to break the tape. I mean, it just was incredible. You know, just yeah. these people, they get it. They completely yeah. get it. No, that's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, well, a lot of it is having somebody there at the end to just say, good job. 
You know, it's a great way to, it, it means so much. And I love that same chapter where you're talking about the, the women, the woman's medal. I love your line about how you talk about, well, I just ran 13 and well, cause you guys merged in with the, the full marathoners. Was that the same one? And, or you finished your first half. You said, I just watched the, the people run 26 in and I can't imagine doing another half at that point, you know? And I thought to myself, yeah, I've been there, but I've been there after, even after having done fulls and ultras, I, if I do a, a half marathon, I still look at the full marathoners, even though have, having done it, I still look at them and go, I can't imagine doing another 13 today. You know, it's not even, not just the first one, but everyone after that, it still feels that way. Cause it's that admiration of what they've done that day. Um, even if you've already done it in the past and you say, well, it's pretty amazing. These people, what they do at 26 miles, I can't imagine doing it. Um, so I love that line. I was like, yeah, I've been there so many times. I can't imagine doing another one of these, you know? It, it's amazing too. There's the, there's like what you said, we're, we're on any given day. I can own what I've done, but seem to forget that I've done something else you know, long right. distances on a day. Yeah. And I have a, I have a similar thing if I'm injured or uh, like when I've been traveling and I haven't been running. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't tell if this is really a runner thing or a mental health thing, but if I don't run for three or four days, oh, yeah. my brain, it'll say, well, Nita, it was fun. Mm -hmm. You know, you wrote a book about it. You enjoyed that running <laughs> right. thing. Yeah. And you know, what are we going to do next yeah. now? I, that, you know, that was, it was good. It was a good run. Yeah. No, you know, pun intended, right. but, uh, but it's, you're, you're through, you're through. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's been three days. Right. So it's, no, it's I know. I think it's, I think it's both. I think honestly, just from my perspective and someday we're going to have a long discussion about elevators. Um, <laughs> because I am, ex I'm an extreme claustrophobe and I've, oh. I've done the same. I've, I, and I don't know, you know, I mean, some of these things could be linked and, um, uh, and I've, I've ridden four or five elevators to get to hotel rooms because I've had to jump on and jump off because they were too full. And I just tell my wife, I'll see you at the top, you know? And, um, but going back to it, like you forget the pain in your last chapter, you said, well, with Ed, Ed says, Ed is, is, is Tina's husband or, uh, uh Nita's husband. I switched your letters. Um, he said, well, he said, I'm going to do another one. He said, you've, you've obviously forgot the pain, you know, and it's, it's absolutely <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, we'll have a lot. I don't know. With the mental health stuff, I think it's both. I think that it's, uh, especially if you suffer from some, some, some anxiety and I, I have some of my own, definitely, um, claustrophobia being one of them that that's a major, major trigger. I think that that, the running it's like one of those, you know, it's like a pipe, you know, if it's, if you're letting a little steam off all the time, you're going to be okay. But if you let it build up, it's going to burst. And that's how I feel about running or not running. And, and I can even swim and bike for th four days in a row, still getting my exercise, but I still don't get the same feeling as I do after a run. You know, I don't get that release. Um, and so I know exactly how you feel after three or four days. It's this, it's this thing of, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm done. Um, Brandon's given us a five minutes, five, we got about seven minutes. Um, but so I want to segue to like, we discussed like the idea of, uh, you brought up how writers need also need that community or need that kind of push from others to, 
do the same thing that a runner might do with a running group if you wanted to go back to that briefly yes i think of writing as a team sport yes i'm alone at my computer a lot of the time but i need feedback from people i need to read other authors so i know what's out there and to study their craft i need other people to help me through the process you know the publishing process i had to have a lot of help from experts to train me how to pitch, train me how to write all the materials that go with the marketing part of it. Um, and then I just need friends who say, keep going, keep going. You know, just the people who listen to me complain. Yes. And um, um, it really, it takes, it just takes a lot of people. And I think that there's, I know there's some people that are get worried about, oh, people are gonna steal my stuff or things like that. And that, that does happen, mm. but there's just a need to, be with other writers and share um, experiences and also learn from other writers. Because it's just like with running, if you don't practice it, you're not going to get any better. Mm -hmm. And there are shortcuts, there are things, there are tools, there are skills that you can learn, um, that you can only learn from other people who Absolutely. are doing it or have done it. Right. And that's the same thing with writing. Can, um, I, can I point out one really quickly? Yes. Like, so yes. in your first chapter, and I'm a huge list guy lists and you talk about shortcuts right and you say well i've done this before i've started before and then we get two paragraphs of the really quickly about how you started then and then you ended then and then you started then and you ended then and instead of going into this huge long scene that probably people don't need to know we get a really quick list that gives us all of the background of your previous running history and then you're able to move back on and i i i don't know how many that um, and like you said with craft it's like lists are amazing and um to not see it in other people's writing you would never learn that technique but like you said it's a shortcut right it's a shortcut yes. to get all that info in really quickly in a good way to build ethos and then move on faster you know i'm sorry i broke it up but i wanted to go back no, to how you, you did it in the book yeah so yes thank you very much because i have to say that i worked that working the backstory in mm -hmm. was really, really hard. That's why yeah. I think it's hard for a lot of people, but I took, um, you know, the book wild, uh -huh. um, the, um, uh, not Apple, uh, uh, Pacific Crest Trail book, um, Cheryl Strayed. Yeah. I took that book apart mm -hmm. to figure out how she had woven in the backstory. Right. And then I read, um, things she'd written and pieces other people have written about that. Um, so that's what I recommend to people is find a book that's, you know, not exactly what you want to do, but is kind of a framework-ish thing that feels like it's going to work for you. And I'm not comparing my book to Wild. Wild's amazing. But um, but that was one of the models I used. Again, another writer. I'm learning from another right. writer. Right. And then after I had tried that, I gave it to friends and basically said, did I do that? You know, did I pull it off, essentially? Right. And again, that team, all those people. Yeah. That's I would never have learned those shortcuts because the first draft – you know, it had four pages of backstory in it sure. and it was cut to like three sentences. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. It works. Thank um, you. Because I think with running, I think with this book, you're moving forward and the book wants to move forward naturally. And I feel like it did from that first chapter and to spend all that time on the other stuff would have slowed it to a point um, that the reader probably doesn't want. We want to see you succeed 
you know, we want to see right. you move forward, even if it's moving step by step, you know, that first run into the ravine and then back out again and then going, OK, I'm going back into the ravine. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we want to see that as as readers. Um, but I appreciate that. Yeah, and I agree with you completely. Um, so we got four minutes. And so this is I'm going to do my little end of the uh, the uh, podcast kind of announcement and then I'm going to let you talk about anything you want to talk about the book for about five, four or five minutes uh, to let your readers know uh, this is Case Johnston this is a literally podcast today we're talking to Nita Sweeney about her uh, book Depression Hates a Moving Target How Running With My Dog Brought Me uh, Back From the Brink and if there's anything you want to tell your reader about the book that went fast didn't it that was a fast 35 minutes um, but um, if there's anything you want to tell the reader about the book I'm happy to pass it along well, thank you again. Um, my editor always has me say that my book is available wherever fine books are sold. Nice. Um, nice. Um, you know, my website is probably the easiest place because it has all the buy links. It's available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. They sold the audiobook rights to Tantor Media, which is kind of a big deal. Oh, well, that I was is very a big pleased deal. Congratulations. With that. Yeah. I was, thank you. I was very pleased with that. Um, it's the book has been on a ton of lists it seems to be doing well and uh, I'm working on a proposal now on a, a book of uh, daily meditations about living in the moment I mentioned meditation several times mm -hmm. throughout the book and I do use meditation in my running and uh, so that's kind of the next step for me but I just encourage people you know whether you are a person who has a mental health challenge or a runner or just a dog lover um, I'd love to have you take a look at the book and uh, see what you think and if you like it, an Amazon review or a review on Barnes & Noble or a review on Indie Books or you know, on the Mango site, any kind of review would be lovely. I had no clue until I had my own book how important those reviews are. So thank you again, Kate, for the time. This was really fabulous. And man, it did go fast. It went wow. by. They go by so <laughs> fast. Um, no, thank you so much for joining us. I loved the conversation. I really enjoyed the book. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, if you're a runner, you'll like the book. And if you're a person who just loves memoir and authentic memoir that's not uh, celebrity-based, a real, real memoir from real people, I think you'll love this book as well. Um, and uh, as Nita said, you can pick it up where any fine books are sold. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much again. This is Case Johnston. This is Literally Podcast, and signing off. Mm -hmm.